While You Were Folding, Episode 18, Book Buddies with Brenda Behensky. Hi, I'm Katherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things, marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 10 years and a mother for eight. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father of mercy, we are approaching the end of our Easter season. We have just a few weeks left, so help us to soak it up, soak in the joy of the resurrection and what that means for each of us individually as your beloved sons and daughters. Please help us to believe in your love and mercy and to live that out in our lives and to show your love and mercy to all those that we meet each day. As we begin this month of May, this month of Mary, help us to also lean on the Blessed Mother to live out our vocations, especially those of us who are wives and mothers, to believe that we don't have to be perfect this side of heaven, that you make up for all that is lacking within us. And in spite of that, we get to have the gift of our Blessed Mother to be the perfect example of what it means to be a good disciple, to live that out well, to live it out joyfully and humbly from a place of perfect love. Help us to do that the best we can and to trust in you when we're not feeling strong and to follow the Blessed Mother's example as best we can. We pray this through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We had such great content on this episode that I want to get to it as quickly as possible. I don't have any big announcements or anything earth shattering that has happened since the last time I recorded. I got a lot of great feedback from Jane's first Holy Communion episode. A lot of you told me that you were ugly crying when you listened to it, and I'm very encouraged by all the feedback I got. So I'll share some of that hopefully next time. Uh, We got to have some beautiful weather. It is finally spring over here, and hopefully you are having some beautiful weather in your neck of the woods as well. We got to have dinner on the deck last weekend and had some great time just connecting as a family. We also got to celebrate our God Teens finale mass with our seniors who are graduating from high school, and it was equally wonderful and sad because... I can't believe we're already at the end of our time with our God teens, at least meeting on a regular basis, but we look forward to finding out what's going on with them this summer and in the fall when they begin their college careers and their time working as the young adults that they are. So please pray for them and all of the graduating seniors that you know, and God teens, if you're listening, we love you. We are so glad we got to spend these four years with you. And we'll continue to pray for you and remember you every night around our ottoman when we pray for you all. 
but just know that our door is always open and we're very proud of the young men and women that you've become. Today, I have a great conversation to share with you with my friend, Brenda Behensky. Brenda and I have become fast friends since Brenda and her husband, Nate, moved here two years ago. And I will share in the episode with Brenda how we met. And if you don't think God has a sense of humor, you have to hear this story because you might not believe it, (laughs) but it's totally true. Um, But Brenda and I have a fondness for reading and we talked all things books and I played a little literary matchmaking today. Anne Bogle, I doubt you're listening to this, but if you are, I am your number one fangirl and I shamelessly stole your format from your podcast, What Should I Read Next? to do my literary matchmaking with Brenda. We did her favorites, her least favorites, what she's reading lately, and what she wants to be different in her reading life. I thought this would be fun to do with Brenda because not only is she fun to talk to, but we have so much in common in terms of where we are in this chapter of life and the challenges that we have with finding time to read, but we both have taken, I think, very different approaches, and I think maybe it would be helpful for you to hear Brenda and I talk through that. So literary friends, book lovers, gather around. I think you're going to love this conversation. Here's Brenda. Okay, so today I have my first official in-studio guest on the podcast. Brenda Behensky is here. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you. So we have to tell a little bit of a funny backstory. (laughs) Before I let you introduce yourself and tell us who is Brenda Behensky, we have to tell the listeners something. So (laughs) before you became Brenda Behensky in college, your husband, Nate, was actually... Uh, one of my boyfriends <laughs> in college. He has great taste in women. I've always thought so. <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, Nate and I dated freshman year of undergrad, and then we broke up, but we would still run into each other from time mm-hmm. to time in college. And then fast forward a couple of years, then the first time I got to meet Brenda... <laughs> was in a very unique environment. It was. Brenda, do you want to tell everyone when I got to meet you? We were, I believe at the time, both engaged couples. Mm-hmm. And um, we were, as part of our marriage prep uh, in the Catholic Church, we were taking an introductory NFP session um, at Pope Paul VI Institute. And I went into it thinking it was going to be a large room with many, many, many people. And as it turns out... It was myself and my then fiance and a couple I didn't know and then yourself and your then fiance who actually I was friends with in college (laughs) because we lived in the same dorm. Um, So it was a very small world and something of an awkward experience that we still laugh about to this day. (laughs) Yeah. So Philip and I walk in and there's this one couple in the conference room, the one that neither of us knew. And then I think we were the second couple Mm -hmm. to arrive. Mm -hmm. And then in walks Brenda and Nate. And I have not talked to (laughs) Nate, had a real conversation with him since shortly after we broke up. Right. Because, funny story, he lived with one of my future boyfriends. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm full of awkward circumstances. Anyway, so... Brenda and Nate walk in, and I was under the impression that there were going to be multiple yes, couples. like it would be a really big room. 
But no, it was kind of this claustrophobic yes. conference room with this huge oversized table. And we were across the table yes. from one another watching a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> discussing cervical mucus. Right, yep. <laughs> what I remember specifically was that you and Philip both looked very put together. And Nate was wearing like a cruddy old hoodie. And I hadn't <laughs> brushed my hair since that morning or whatever. So I was like, hmm, well... <laughs> I don't remember that. I, at that I point, I was hanging on for dear life because right. I was student teaching. We were like two months away from oh, our man. wedding. So that whole time is a blur. But yes. I remember <laughs> reaching across the conference table to shake your hand and thinking, I really like her. She's awesome. And how awkward it is to be yes. talking about cervical mucus with yes. my uh, ex-boyfriend here. And then you knew Philip in college. I did, yes. Yeah. He lived on the floor below us um, and was friends with my friend and currently our mutual friend, Jenny. Yes. So I got to know him through her. Um, so it's just a very small world sometimes in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then was it... Two years ago that your family moved back to Yep, just coming up on two years here. Next month it'll be two years. And we had wanted to get back for a long time. So when the position opened up for my husband, we were really, really excited and very happy. And we've been really happy here. So Brenda and Nate are in our (laughs) parish now. (laughs) So let this be a lesson. I told all of my... I don't think I ever told you this. When (laughs) I was teaching high school girls, I was asked to come and give a chastity talk. To them, and Philip would come in, and I would say, Now, girls, make sure you make good decisions yes. with all of your boyfriends because you might find yourself across the table <laughs> from, <Yes. laughs> from them at Pope Paul VI learning about NFP. And yes. that would be a really awkward moment if you were not making good decisions. More so than it already was. <laughs> <laughs> But if you can survive an evening of having to talk about cervical mucus with your ex-college boyfriend <laughs> across the table, you can get through anything. And yes. now his wife and I are recording a I podcast know. together tonight. So God is... Stranger things have happened, I'm sure. I, I don't know, but maybe. <laughs> um, so I thought it'd be fun to have Brenda come on the podcast to talk about reading because we love books. Before we jump into that... Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Brenda Behensky? Well, um, I'm a, I I like to still say early 30s, um, mother of three. My oldest is almost six. And then I have a three-year-old and one who's about to turn one, which makes me really sad. Um, I stay home with the three of them. I do have an English background, though. I majored in English in college, so I have an English degree, um, for the most part, I did not actually work in the field of English, but for a while after I graduated college, I did actually work for a publishing company, which was sort of like my dream. Everybody would always say, oh, English degree, you're going to be a teacher. Well, no, I knew I didn't want to teach, which was kind of, I don't know. I got a lot of funny looks then. Can I ask you why you didn't want to teach? What did you know about the teaching field that you knew wasn't for you? Well, I think I thought I wouldn't be very good at it. I think I, I don't know, something with, I wouldn't be able to relate to, I don't know. I didn't have confidence in my actual teaching abilities. I was very confident in my ability to read a book and talk about it. (laughs) But I knew there was a lot more that went into teaching and education than that. And I just did not feel like I had that in me for whatever reason. And maybe I would have been fine at it, but I don't know. So then you were working for this publishing company. So I worked for a publishing company, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, But then the company actually ended up relocating, and at the time in my life, I was not able to get up and go with them. Um, Mm -hmm. So I moved on to something else and um, got engaged. 
uh, to the aforementioned <laughs> former boyfriend of yours. You have great um, tasting guys. I do, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we dated for a couple years, and then we were engaged for about a year and a half. Um, we got married, and this summer will be 10 years, which Woo-hoo! makes me feel kind of old. So you got married and then moved, because you're originally from... I grew up in a little small town near Columbus okay. called Schuyler, Nebraska, um, and came to Lincoln for college, which is where I met my husband. And he, I, the year before we got married, he started pharmacy school at Creighton. And so then a year into his pharmacy school, we got married, at which point I moved to Omaha. And we lived in Papillion, actually, um, and really liked it there. We liked it there a lot. And we knew once he graduated that we were hoping to come to Lincoln but we just had to go where the jobs were, yeah. and it ended up being Grand Island. So we spent five years there, um, and he was a pharmacy manager. And then a position opened up here, and so he applied for it. And the rest is kind of history, I guess. Yeah. And now we're at the same parish. And we are, yes. yes. <laughs> so let's jump into talking about reading life. So okay. your background is in English. Yes. So were you growing up reading voraciously? Yes. yes. What books do you remember as your first books that you um, fell in love with? Well, my mom would read aloud to us. I remember mm. that when I was growing up. I specifically remember um, the Chronicles of Narnia she mm. read to us. And Little House on the Prairie, I remember those. Once I got a little bit older, it was the American Girl books. The old ones, when they back when they did historical characters. I never read them. Oh, you should go back and read them. They're okay, really I will, I will. I have a lot of them. Which one should I start with? Oh gosh, I don't even know. They're because, all good. Would you say Jane being in second yes, grade? Yes, Jane would, would love time. them. That was about the age I started. Okay. Yeah, yes. So you liked those. What I else? did. Um... That's what I specifically remember. Um, I probably like the Babysitter's Club and all those ones. Heck, yes. The little tween girls read back in our day. Um, and then as school went on, did you just always have reading as a part of your life? Yes. Yeah. It was all, It's always been something I enjoyed. Um, my English classes were always my favorite in school. Mm-hmm. I never. I, I did not have so much the aptitude for the math and the science. That didn't come as easily to me. I, just something about the numbers. Um, the, the well, the idea of I'm kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's I'm still not very good at anything other than shopping related math. <laughs> <laughs> Can calculate a sale price pretty easily though. Nice. But, um, but something about the story, I don't know. It the fact that there was not always necessarily a hard and fast right or wrong, mm-hmm. and it was more how you thought about it and how you interpreted it. And then later as I got into college, you know, as long as you could articulate your well thought out, carefully considered ideas, you know, you, you got, usually you got pretty good grades, I guess, you know, and it was a little more open to interpretation. And I guess I liked, I liked that aspect of it. Yeah. You can't fake it till you make it with algebra. No. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. So I don't know. I'd love to hear your experience. Then you get into undergraduate Mm -hmm. time and... I had my, my major was secondary education, Mm -hmm. Spanish and English. Mm -hmm. So I had a ton of these literature education classes and I got really burnt out on reading. It's amazing we weren't in the same class at some point, right? I'm really, really surprised. (laughs) Maybe we we were and we didn't know it. Uh, Maybe it was one of the bigger Maybe, but they were pretty small classes. I think we would have known. I don't think so. But what I was going to say is I kind of overdosed on the Mm -hmm. required reading Mm -hmm. in college. Did you have that experience at all? Yes, I think I I did 
to a point. And I, I do remember kind of after college, there was a period where I didn't necessarily read as much uh-huh. um, and read maybe some lighter things that you could kind of just breeze through without having to think very much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say I definitely had a phase like that. And I've kind of gone in waves where I've not read for long periods of time. And then now I'm kind of back in one where I'm just reading everything I can get my hands on. And I want to talk about, we'll get back to that because I want to hear about how you make that work on a practical level as a busy mom. So we'll, we'll get back to that, but let's start just with, um, what and how do you read? What kinds of books are you reading lately? Lately, I've been reading a lot of historical fiction and I'm not that's just kind of what I've been drawn towards. Um, specifically, I'm really into World War II <laughs> fiction right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that maybe just that there's a lot of good World War II fiction out right now, I feel like. I feel like it's the golden age. Yes, it kind of is. And yeah. it's always been a time period I've been very interested in. Um, one of the books I recently finished was kind of set during the 70s. And I found that to be not as interesting to me. And I think it's just because I'm not as interested in the time period. Mm-hmm. So probably I would say the first the first half of the 20th century, anything that's about that time. Um, we were meant, talking the other day about my great love for F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, so anything that kind of is in the 20s or that turn of the century I enjoy too. Just I think there were so many changes going on in the world at that mm-hmm. time with World War One and then World War Two. I just I guess I'm just really drawn to that. So are you very much of a history buff or is it more just jumping into that period of history within the context of a story? Both. Okay. Both. Uh, I do have a history minor. I don't know that anybody cares about minors anymore. But And I have a brother who's a history teacher. So that kind of influences me as well. I love that. Mm -hmm. So what would you say your breakdown is of fiction to nonfiction? Um, I would say it's probably 75% fiction right now. Okay. Um... But I'm not opposed to shifting that. I mean, it's kind of an always changing thing. And you'd say most of your fiction is historical fiction? Right now, it seems like yes. Yeah, I would say so. What are the other kinds of books that seem to be on your list all the time? There are a number of them on my list that are kind of parenting relationship. Not so much self-help books, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, how to relate to your child um, there's one call on my want to read list called strong mothers, strong sons, which now that I have a son, I'm realizing how ill-equipped I am to parent a son. And I just feel like I need to, I don't know, have that guidance or I, I need to focus on how that might be different as he grows up than how I parent my daughters. Um, I also want to read, I read the five love languages a long time ago, and I'd love to read the five love languages mm-hmm. for children or also the temperament God gave your child. I would like to read just, I, I guess in, in some way to relate to them better, to strengthen my relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I feel like in relationships, we tend to give what we need, what, what we need as far, instead of what the other person needs. Yeah. And I think I would like something to show me a little bit more what my children might need so I can give that. And yeah. I think I sometimes tend to, especially my oldest, she's very um, precocious, you might say. And I think I tend to treat her like a small adult Mm -hmm. and it's very easy for me to get that emotionally, she's a almost six year old. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's not emotionally in her thirties the way I am. So I do need to handle her differently. And so books that kind of would help me to maybe figure out how to relate on her level a little bit better, 
I think we might get along a little better. We butt heads yeah. quite a bit because we're very similar. That's always how it is. The child that you have the most in common with personality-wise yes. <laughs> usually is the one who's most difficult to parent mm-hmm. because you see so much of yourself yes. in them yes. and the way you discipline, and it's not like I'm speaking from experience, <laughs> the way you discipline them is so reactive Yes. instead of slowly... And methodically responding to what the child's need is. And what's interesting is my middle child is so much more like my husband, who is the opposite of me in many ways. Thank goodness. And it's so much easier for me to parent her. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, at first I was like, well, she's just kind of an easier kid than my second one or than my first one. But I think it's really just that she and I are not the exact same person. And so I can just, I can stay calmer. I can stay more detached. And because I'm not flying off the handle at her, She's easier to talk off the ledge, so to speak. She, it's easier to calm her down. It's easier to get her to, you know, obey and go along with what she needs to be doing than it is my older one. Yeah. We need to have another coffee date to talk, to <laughs> yes. talk through this. Yes. And I actually have that book, so you can certainly borrow oh, it. Oh, that would be awesome. Have it. Thank yeah. you. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. It's well, on my list. Remind me okay. at the end, and I'll okay. get it to you. Um, I would love to know, so let's go back and talk about how you make reading happen on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Well, what, what does that look like for Brenda? For a long time, I did not make reading happen. Um, last May, we had our third child, um, little Benjamin. And he's a wonderful little boy and he stole my heart. But I'm sure you probably know, the third one is a game changer. <laughs> we were outnumbered and it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It rocked our world. And it, it, first of all, I didn't have time. I felt like I didn't have time for any reading or anything. You know, if I had a few minutes to myself where I was not holding a baby or tending to a child, I was trying to get a shower in or trying to throw a load of laundry in the wash or whatever it was. And I started to just feel like I was losing everything I enjoyed And I thought, I wish I could read more. Reading would be a wonderful way that I could still get, you know, something, something for me in terms of my hobbies that I enjoy. And, you know, but it wouldn't require leaving the house or lining up a sitter or doing anything. I'm like, I sit what feels like 80% of my waking hours underneath a baby who is either nursing or sleeping. Mm -hmm. There's got to be some way I can figure out how to incorporate reading into that. And I thought, well, it's just so cumbersome with it. You know, you got one arm under a baby and then you're trying to flip pages or hold a book. And if it's hardcover, what if you drop it on the baby and mm-hmm. and all that? And so I thought, and I was super late to the party on this. Probably everyone's going to laugh at me because they all knew this like five years ago. But I thought there has to be a way that you can check out ebooks from the library without having to go to the library. Because no way am I loading up three small children in the hot, hot summer by myself to try to find books in the adult section. Mm-hmm. Um, and lo and behold, I did discover the Overdrive app. And I actually use the Libby app for reading, which works with the Overdrive app. I don't know about this. What's, what's I think it it's called? Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. Okay. And I think it's, I'm not exactly sure how they're different, but they work together somehow. Um, and so I've used that. And that revolutionized my reading life. And I want to say he was probably three or four months old before I discovered this. But that changed everything for me. I used to also kind of be like a book purist where I was like, I must have the actual physical book in my hand. Mm -hmm. And I do still prefer to actually have the book. But 
I needed to come to terms with the fact that if I don't read on my phone, it's never going to happen. And I wanted it to happen. I, I, when I started reading the eBooks more and working through book after book after book, I remembered how much I loved it. And it was Mm -hmm. like getting together with an old friend that I hadn't seen in forever. And so suddenly it bothered me a lot less because I was still getting to do this thing that I loved. And so now that's what I do. And I just have a list. And when I finish one, I decide which one I'm going to go on to next. And I can check it out right away. It's there immediately. I don't have to leave the house. I don't forget to return things and have late (laughs) fees. Yes. Things like that. So checking out books from the library on my phone has really, really changed everything. At least for me right now. And I know someday I'll get back to a stage where I can sit alone in a chair Mm -hmm. with an actual physical book and read But that's just not where I'm at right now, and that's fine. I love that you were able to figure that out. (laughs) I wish I had done it a little sooner. Well, and that's how it is with every parenting (laughs) decision, I feel like, that you wish you could have figured it Mm -hmm. out sooner. But I love that you were able to figure out a partial solution, Mm -hmm. that it's not going to be your ideal reading situation, that yes, you still prefer the physical book, but you were able to find a way to still make it work, and it's not going to be maybe as optimally enjoyable it hasn't been as, I thought, I really thought I would not enjoy reading from a screen constantly. And it has not been the detriment that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I still find that I get lost in the books. And so it hasn't really been as big of a, a hang up as I thought it was going to be. My struggle, and I would love to hear how you handle this. I also prefer the physical book. Mm-hmm. And it helps me, especially with fiction, to have my bearings. Because mm-hmm. I really struggle in the beginning of fiction books to figure out, okay, now, which character mm-hmm. is this and who said what with the flipping back and yes. forth to have the physical book is so helpful for me. It is much easier to do in a physical book. I will agree with, with so you there. how do you handle that? Do you just, have you gotten um, really adept at being able to go back? Yeah, it's not too hard to navigate back and I've, I've had to do that sometimes with I'm sounding some like an old lady. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. So what would you say is your current breakdown percentage-wise of ebooks to physical books. It's almost all ebooks now. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. almost all ebooks. I have a couple that I've borrowed um from my mother-in-law. She has a book club and so she will frequently say, "Here, we read this at our book club. You you would love it." And sometimes I borrow from my my mom and mother-in-law are big big readers. Mm-hmm. So that has been an influence on me as well. And my dad actually was an English teacher uh before he became a college administrator. So it's wow. kind of It's in my my identity, I guess. Yeah, it most definitely is. (laughs) Yeah. So you're using the Mm e-reader or your phone Mm -hmm. for reading most of your Mm -hmm. books. Are you getting most of them from the library then? Yeah, almost all of them. A couple of them on Kindle. I did the Kindle Unlimited, the free trial. But um, I didn't keep up with that just because the library had so many that I already wanted to read and I just didn't see a need to pay for a subscription at this point, you know, if I someday exhaust the library resources, which I doubt I will, um, then I might consider something like that. But okay. Yeah. Usually, usually the library. Okay. So I would love to know, um, you already said your mom and your Mm mother-in-law give you a lot of book recommendations and give you a lot of the books Mm -hmm. that you read. Where else do you find the books that you read? Who gives you recommendations that you seem to take more often than not? (laughs) A lot of my friends, um, especially people that I know have read the same books that I've read and liked them. 
then I know, oh, if they like that book, then the chances are good that I will like mm-hmm. it too. So a lot of friends. Um, I finally joined Goodreads, which once again, I don't know why I dragged my feet on that for so long because that's wonderful. So I get a lot from there. Um, and I actually have found a lot on Pinterest too. Oh, I have never even considered yeah. going on Pinterest for yeah. book ideas. Well, it was just, I was kind of scrolling randomly through whatever kind of came up and uh, it would, I don't know if it, you know, the whole world of like social media and what's on your phone and everybody's always watching. I don't know if it noticed that I was reading something and then put something in my Pinterest feed or what, but probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it'll pop up things like, uh, the 20 best books of 2017. And I have a, a board and I just pin, pin like, I don't know, it's called books I want to read or something very original like that. Um, and I'll just pin it to that. And so if nice. I ever, and I have my Goodreads list. So at the point that I run out of every, like there's always a place for me to turn. Uh-huh. So I'm never really without books. There's a quote and I want to say it's Lemony Snicket. And I thought that this described me perfectly. It is likely I shall die surrounded by a pile of things I've been meaning to read. Oh, I love <laughs> I thought, that. oh, that is me. <laughs> Can we do a quick departure? I want to yes, ask about yeah. Lemony Snicket. I have not read them. I don't know that I've read them either. I just happened upon oh, that quote. Because okay. I keep hearing about, what's it called? A series of... A series of unfortunate events. I saw the movie that was a long time. Not There's like a current Netflix series, right. I think. But there was a movie with Jim Carrey and it's been probably 10 five or 10 years at least okay. um, and I saw that and it was very good and because I liked it dark a little bit but it's humorously dark if I yeah. remember right but I have not ever read the books okay listeners if you have read a series of unfortunate events tell me if my children should read it because I need to read them ahead of time and I <laughs> yes, want I to know from trusted people if you liked it or not okay get back to us on that listeners um very important question, and people feel very differently <laughs> about this. Do you think it's okay to quit reading a book if you're not feeling it? Where does Brenda fall on this debate? I wish that I could, and I envy people that can. I do not think it's wrong, but for whatever reason, I just cannot do it. You hang on to the, till do. the bitter end, even but if you're hating it. A lot of times what I will do is I will put them aside and I will get interested in other things. So I will say I am still reading this book, but in reality, it has spent three years on the bottom of the pile on my nightstand with a bookmark in the exact same spot. And but I will say that I'm still reading it. Well, I don't know if I ever really will. There's probably about two or three of them that are like that. And sometimes there, there have been some that I have had to give up on totally and say, you know what, I will restart this from the beginning because I don't remember what happened. You'll restart them? If you yeah, have, because wow. I just can't. I feel like I just have to. What is it that you think makes it? I so don't that you can't? know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Okay. I, I don't know if it's. Well, I'm an English major. I feel like I should be able to read a book. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like it's part of your identity yes. as a reader. Sometimes but... it is just even if it's a terrible book, I have to know what happens. Even yeah. if it's the worst book ever. I recently did on that Kindle Unlimited read some terrible I don't remember the name of it thank goodness because I wouldn't want to say anything bad about the author but it was supposed to be like a Hunger Games type and I really enjoyed the Hunger Games I thought those were very good books me too um but it was so it was it was very poor very poorly written okay and borrowed so heavily from the Hunger Games that mm. you almost 
could you could make a strong case for plagiarism. <laughs> but it was so terrible and it only took me about two hours to read. Thank goodness. But I still stuck it out because I was like, gosh, I just got to know what happens. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't enjoy the book. It was like two hours of torture. You were hating it. <laughs> but I had to. I don't know. I I'm think, a glutton for punishment that way. No, I, I'd say it was probably oh, maybe, maybe in the last five years that I was finally able to become a book breaker upper. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was totally my pride. That was, Maybe that's it. Maybe it's, I have this, like, I feel like I should be able to do this. It wasn't that so much as then if I hear someone talk about this book, I can say all the reasons why I hated it instead of being the person who said, no, I just put it down. Yeah. then it maybe feels that's like, it. well, how do you know you hated it if you didn't even finish it? Yes. And I wanted to have the answer to that person's comment. But in reality, like, there are so many awesome books out there. Why would I yes. waste my time reading these Dumb books that I'm not enjoying. Yes. I think, too, I always am hoping that there's going to be something at the end that redeems it for me. Yeah. And so I'll stick with it thinking, maybe the ending is really good, and then it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> and then you regret it? Yes. Or you still feel good about sticking with it so that you finish it? Usually I regret it. And I think, why do I do this to myself? And then yeah. I just keep doing it, so I don't know. Or sometimes... It's a book that a lot of people know and love, mm-hmm. and I just can't get into it. And I'm embarrassed of the fact that I can't get into this book that everybody else knows and loves. Those um, are the ones that I'm more determined to finish, because then I'm more determined yes. when I'm at the cocktail party, as if I yes. go to a lot of cocktail parties. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm at Bunko or <laughs> wherever I go, when someone brings it up, that I can be like, oh, that book was the worst, and yes. give all my reasons why. Right. But yeah, pride probably is yes, my reason. It probably is. It probably is. But I and think too. getting into the chapter of having all these babies and having the limited time has made it a lot easier for me to be like, yes. no, that's not yeah. the book for me. Yeah. And to be able to move on. Okay. So um, I want to know what are your current roadblocks? What's stopping you from having the reading life that you want right now? Time. Mm-hmm. Time. And a, a little bit energy. I mean, when we get to the end of the day, sometimes I do not have the brain power to read. I have the brain power to stare mindlessly at Pinterest or my Instagram feed or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Netflix. Or Netflix, yeah. But I don't have the brain power to sit there and read a book. Yeah. And if I'm really tired, a lot of times reading will put me to sleep and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Then it's like I'm not getting any reading done anyway. And then the bedtime reading, I struggle to do fiction at bedtime because if I read for half an hour before bed, then the next night when I go back to the book, I can't remember what I was reading because oh. <laughs> I was falling asleep and I can't keep the characters. St- do you yes. struggle with that? I've had, sometimes I've had to go back and reread the last few pages. Sometimes though, I also have the opposite problem what? where I will have to force myself way past my bedtime to put the book down. Yes. And then I lay there and I can't sleep because I'm thinking about the book. And yeah. And that's not good either. I do much so better with difficult. nonfiction for that yeah. reason. Because it's easier for me to be like, well, that's enough of learning for tonight. Right. Yes. Time to yeah. turn off the light. Because I'm reading, I'll get to this later when we talk about favorites and what we're reading right now. Beneath the Scarlet Sky. Ooh. Okay. If you don't know this one, and I'll send you all these. Oh, okay. I have so I don't list. have to write it down. No, you don't have to write it down. 
You have to read that one. We'll get. Okay. We'll come back. Okay. To it. So, should we get into your favorites and do a little literary sure. matchmaking? Okay. Sure. So, for listeners, um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the show? What should I read next? No. With Anne Bogle. Oh, just I think from your previous podcasts, which but I you of course listened to. Listen to. You no, I don't know. I haven't. No. Okay. Time. Remember, Brenda Time. and listeners. Here's my infomercial for what should I read next? <laughs> this is. Maybe my favorite podcast, and I am a podcast junkie. I have, I think, 25 podcasts that I listen to. Wow, how do you have time? Well, I just listen sporadically, and I embrace the 10-minute chunks here and there. Anyway, sure. so, Anne Bogle, what should I read next? Her thing is literary matchmaking. And yes. she has a guest come on. They give, and I'm totally stealing this format <laughs> from her show. So, Anne Bogle, I doubt you're listening to this, but... Imitation you, is a sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> indeed. Um, so, I'm going to ask Brenda to do what Anne Bogle does on her show to give me your... On her show, she does three favorites. You can give me as many as you want. Good. I have way more than three. Okay, good. That's always my problem with the favorite <laughs> list, too. And then give me one that you hated... Or maybe if you don't feel comfortable using the word hate. Hate is so strong. One that you maybe wasn't for you. Didn't care for, yeah. And then what you're reading lately. And then what you want to change in your reading life. And I'll give you a couple recommendations. I came up with quite a few. Good, good. I'm very excited about that. Okay. Well, start with your favorites. My all-time favorite book that I will unabashedly declare as the greatest novel of all time. Whoa. Is The Great Gatsby, of course. Um. Interestingly, though, I read it in high school and I I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't, you know, super gung-ho on it. I didn't have the opinion that I do now of it. Um, But when I got to college, we read uh, Tender as the Night, which was the final completed novel of F. Scott Fitzgerald. And that is what sort of got me interested in him and his life and his writings and how his life influenced his writings. And I could, I, on my notes here, I wrote, wherein I go off on a tangential diatribe of the genius of F. Scott Fitzgerald. But I won't do that because <laughs> I don't want to bore all your listeners. They probably don't all love him as much as I do. But anyway, it was in coming back to it later that, and having learned so much about his life, that I really, I took so much more from that book after college? that. Yes, in college. Yeah, okay. in college. So what did um, you like about it so much? It's just fascinating the way he lived and all, so many of his writings are a warning, cautioning against the type of life that he lived. Oh. And so it makes you wonder, why did he continue to live like that if all of his writings are people who live like that and bad things happen to them? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just studying that connection and why why are they so intertwined and it's it was just very fascinating to me. Um and I actually wrote my honors thesis in college on F. Scott Fitzgerald and his life and his writings. And um, it, my focus for my English major was mental illness in literature. Mm. And so there was some of that going on um, in his, specifically his wife. And so just kind of how that worked its way into the literature. Mm-hmm. And it was just very fascinating. Okay. On I go. About <laughs> I might have to revisit that one. You might. You might. Okay. Next. Um, recent favorites. I really, really, really liked All the Light We Cannot See. Yes. That was a phenomenally written book, mm-hmm. an enjoyable book, and just one of those ones where, again, what I like in a lot of Fitzgerald's writing is that the, the prose is just 
incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like the prose just sort of sweeps you off your feet. Yeah. And I felt like that in All the Light We Cannot See, too. Mm-hmm. It was just literature of a higher level. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I also kind of liked how everything was not neatly tied up in a bow at the end. I kind of liked that. I Do you need a neat and tidy ending? Are you... Not, not necessarily. I don't necessarily dislike one. Okay. Sometimes there are books where things just seem a little too perfect. perfect. Um, and I sort of liked that that wasn't necessarily the case in that book. Mm-hmm. Um, also just finished The Hiding Place. Again, another <laughs> World War II. And that was phenomenal. Nonfiction. There was a nonfiction one in there. A lot of my nonfiction is biographies or memoirs, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just incredible. And that one's been around for a long, long, long time. And I just had never... I had never sat down to read it. I knew about it. I've heard quotes from it. I was familiar with Corrie Ten Boom and who she was, but I just had never read it, and I very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also read Homegoing recently. That was really, really interesting. I enjoyed the interconnectedness of the the ancestors and how how who we are is shaped by the people who came before us. Mm-hmm. That one I also liked, how you did not necessarily see the ending of every single character's story, but you could yeah. tell what happened based on the people who came next. Right. And I really enjoyed that one as well. Our mutual friend, Jenny, yes. recommended that Hi, Jenny. one to me. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> um, and I listened to that one on mm. audio because she recommended that mm-hmm. one on yes. audio. Yeah. And the narrator, I said this on the show in a previous episode, did such a phenomenal job of going yes. from accents from one area of the world yes. to another. It if I go back to awesome. that one, I may do the audiobook too. You should. Yes. Um, and then the other one, I have mentioned this one to you before. Another recent, this was a reread of mine, but it is the book called Seven by Jen Hatmaker. And the subtitle is An Experimental Mutiny Against Excess. And the premise of this one is that she took for seven months, she took one area each month to focus on. So, for example, the month that they focused on food, she ate only seven things for one month. Wow. And we're talking... I mean, including like spices and all those sorts of things. And I don't remember what specifically what the seven were. Whoa. But, and it, and there's, there's deep reasoning behind each one of these things. Um, okay. While she was writing this, she was in the process of adopting from, I, I believe, Ethiopia. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, so she had, she had studied, you know, this country and, you know, seen a lot of the poverty and things like that. And the people who... To them, seven things would be a lot to eat. Yeah. And so she was really, with each thing, she kind of takes it back to something like that. It's not, not, oh, I just want to get rid of the clutter in my life. I mean, it is, partly. But it's, like, there's another month where she does clothing, where she wears seven articles of clothing. Um, Wow. Underwear accepted, of course. But between shirts and pants, shoes, scarves, whatever, seven things. And just thinking, you know, there are people who don't, don't even have seven decent shirts to wear. Right. So she relates all of it back to something like that. The The concept of why do I feel like I need this when there are so many people in the world who honestly, some of them get by just fine with much less. Yeah. This culture that we have in our country and really in the world that we need all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, what does the stuff, how does the stuff hold us back in life? So that was just really fascinating both on a practical level of you know how can I how can I declutter my life 
and on an emotional and spiritual level of how does this stuff get in the way? And she's a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. So how does this stuff get in the way of my relationship with Christ? How do I, you know, how do I make this stuff the things that I worship versus God? Yeah. So that was, I really enjoyed that one. I like her a lot. Have yes. you read For the Love? No, this is the only one of hers I've ever read. She's hilarious. She is very funny. I enjoyed her writing love. quite a bit. Okay, so you might have to revisit okay. that. That's okay. a bonus. That's okay. not in my list of recommendations. <laughs> okay, next. Um, I think that was all I had as That's far as it? recent. Oh, um, just in the last few days I finished the book Radio Girls. Um, which actually I did not realize until I read the author's note at the end of the book that it is based on a real person. Which totally changes how I would see it now. I wish I had known that beforehand. But it's about um, a young girl who works. The protagonist is a fictional character. Okay. And so it's she is fictionalized so that everything can kind of revolve around her. Um, but a lot of the other people in it are actual real people. And it's about a girl who in the 20s, 1920s in London gets a job at the BBC right when radio was just starting to take off and uh, unearths something that uh a a little bit of a plot behind the scenes sort of I don't want to give anything Mm. away but it was it's it was very good I enjoyed it as a fictionalized uh story of a real place and real people very cool so it was very interesting so I heard you say you have reread quite a Mm -hmm. few of these titles are you a rereader in general I can be it depends on the book okay it depends on the book I will always go back to my beloved of Scott Fitzgerald, who I sometimes refer to as the other great love of my life. <laughs> I did not realize you had this big it of a borders, love It borders on obsession. It's really... Wow. <laughs> Maybe I should get help. Well, this gives me a lot to work with from your favorites, and you have mm-hmm. enough variety here mm-hmm. to send me in a couple directions. Yes, I will. Let's move on to the ones that you hated, or if you don't want to say hated, <sighs> that maybe weren't for you or to your liking. Well, we talked about this one a little bit too. Um, the book Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, which I have always thought she was very funny. And I love Tina Fey's book. Was it is it Bossy Pants? Bossy Pants. I loved that. Um, I also read both of Mindy Kaling's books. Uh, the title of the second one escapes me, but the first one is, is everyone hanging out without me? And I just really found that one very delightful. Mm-hmm. I like the way she, she talks. She writes like she talks. Okay. And I just, I really enjoyed that one. And so I was expecting to, it to be enjoyable along those lines. And I'm not exactly sure what it was, but I just really didn't. I don't know. I didn't relate to it. It didn't grab me the way those other ones did. Mm-hmm. Her numerous references to doing drugs was something I could not relate to on any <laughs> level. I don't. I don't know. I just. It didn't. Did not. Maybe my expectations were too high, but it just didn't strike a chord the way those other ones did. I felt after reading it, I gave it two stars, and that's pretty cold for me <laughs> to do that. But I listened to it on audio. Oh, did you? So that was part of the problem, too, because I think I went into it with the expectation of she's such a talented comedy writer. Right. This is going to feel like listening to Weekend a Update bunch of sketches. Or, yeah. Yes. yeah. And I f- felt like on that level it didn't deliver, although I don't feel that it was fair for me to put that expectation on her. Maybe it was an expectation problem. I think that was part of it for me. And the <clears throat> other thing, too, was as a memoir, 
you expect it to have a narrowed focus of what her goal is in telling yeah. the narrative. And Maybe we that's got these it. random anecdotes, and I know I wanted to get a sense of okay, and now where are you gonna go with right. this? And Maybe it lacked cohesiveness. That was my problem hmm. with it. That could too. be. And she's such an intelligent, awesome yeah. writer that I wanted her to be able to deliver that. I loved her work on Saturday yes. Night Live. Loved her work on Parks and Rec. Oh yes. Oh, I love that show. Love it. And I just felt like she missed the mark. I yeah. think there were moments of awesomeness. I agree. But. Not the cohesiveness, the word that you used. And I wonder too, and maybe this was different if you listened to it, but there were times where I could not quite tell if she was joking or serious. And maybe, again, maybe that's in the delivery. Maybe when you hear it, it mm-hmm. makes sense. But there were times where I just thought, okay, if that's a joke, it's funny. But if if it's not, it's a little disturbing or, you know, something like that. But I just... I don't know. I couldn't quite get which one it was. Yeah. I would guess that the tone would fall flat. Yes. Like when you're yes. emailing someone. Yeah. 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 Kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> so yes, please is one of them. What else? That's the only one I've recently read other than that terrible Hunger Games knockoff that okay. I can't even remember the name of. Um, that's the only one I've read lately that I did not like. One of my all time most hated books though is Wuthering Heights. I just oh. found that one to be insufferable. Okay, you are in good company because okay. I know several people who hate that book. I have oh. never read it. It just what people are all miserable it? all the time, and there just seems to be no redeeming quality. That Maybe that's exact... another one that I need to go back and reread and give another chance. I've been told no. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't feel like I can put myself through that again. I've been told there is no yeah. redeeming. Is that part of a requirement for you in your reading that you need at least one character that you can? root for or my thing is I need someone who I can at least understand the psychology of why they're doing what they're doing yes or if not if not a redeeming character at least a redeeming theme or some kind of redeeming message but I just did not feel like it was there okay I was just like everyone's miserable till they all die (laughs) yeah I'm in the same camp okay so I don't know I could not that's not, that one wasn't for me. Okay. And then ones that you've read lately, you told us Radio Girls. Yes. Already. Any other recent titles? Um, I just finished The Great Alone, which is by Kristen Hanna, which is the author of The Nightingale, which I also really enjoyed. Um, I did not like The Great Alone as well as The Nightingale. But again, that was the one set in like the 1970s, sort of mm. just post-Vietnam War. And that just is not a time period that interests me as much. And... It was also set in Alaska, and there's a lot of sort of survivalist stuff. Mm. Um, I am not a survivalist. I don't know if you could tell that about me. I don't even like to go camping. So all that, a lot of that was, while I did find it interesting to some degree, was not really something that I, it didn't draw me in as much as some other things. Um, it was, I mean, it was good. It was an enjoyable read. It's the type of thing that I would read on the beach. But I, in terms of what, I've read... The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, and also Winter Garden. And I liked both of those better than The Great Alone, which is actually her newest title. It was just released within the last month, I think. Um, But I would recommend it. I just don't read it expecting it to be as good as The Nightingale. Okay. And I feel like, now that I've read three by her, I feel like she's maybe one who does kind of tie everything up just a little bit too neatly. That was my problem with just the Just a little bit. Just a little bit too neatly. And like I said, sometimes I like that. And if it had been one out of the three books that I read, I don't think I would have minded as much. Mm-hmm. But all three of them have aspects of, 
that's just a little bit too perfect. Yeah. But but I do like her writing. I hesitate to even say anything remotely <laughs> uncomplimentary because I do. I have liked what I've read. It's just maybe a little too perfect little for too me. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So what are you reading right now? Um, I'm in the middle of Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, which is delightful. And it may only appeal to a small um, portion of your listeners, but it's about the history of punctuation, which sounds like a complete snooze fest. And it is wonderful. And it is wonderfully written. And it's hilarious. And I just really enjoyed it. That actually is one of my recommendations for you. When you're done with it, I want to read it because that one's okay. been on my list forever. It's, I've got it from the library. I don't have a hard copy to <sighs> Okay, well then but I, that's can fine. get it from the library. I will happily do um, that. And I decided after I finished Radio Girls, I decided I was going to do a reread of The Great Gatsby. And then I was scrolling through my Goodreads list of what I want to read. And I came across one that has been out for a while that I um, have wanted to read and just never got around to it. And it ties in very well with The Great Gatsby. It's called Careless People, Murder, Mayhem, and the Invention of The Great Gatsby. And it's kind of about what is taking place in the world and specifically in the region when he's writing The Great Gatsby. Um, And it discusses a double murder (laughs) that took place um, shortly before... I've just started this, so I'm not sure that I'm saying this correctly. It's either shortly before the book came out or shortly before he really got serious about writing it. Um, But it's kind of about how that murder and the media coverage of it may have shaped certain aspects of The Great Gatsby. So I thought, what a perfect thing for me to read before I jump into a reread of The Great Gatsby. So that's those are the only the two. I'm only going two right now. I can't read three or four or five books at a time. Mm -hmm. I just get too lost. I end up sticking with a couple and then ignoring the rest. So I've, I've limited it now to I can read one fiction and one nonfiction at a time. Although actually those are both nonfiction, so I'm cheating a little <laughs> bit. But they're different enough that I don't have any trouble, you know, keeping them separate. So. I can't do that with fiction. I can do more than one nonfiction. I feel like that's easier. Yeah. Yeah. More than one fiction because you tend to just get sucked into one more than the other and then either you're ignoring one or you're getting them confused or whatever it is. I'm more confused than anything, and that surprises no one. Okay, so then what do you want to be different about your reading life? Um, Well, I like the direction that I'm going in with it right now. Um, Reading more, and I'm trying to get away from doing the mindless things on my phone. I deleted the Facebook app from my phone. Good job. For a while, I was still cheating. And checking Facebook on the browser on my phone. The struggle is real. And I finally stopped doing that too. And I How don't. How did you do it? What's stopping you? You just stop. I just, I just said. Well, I think it was like. Well, first of all, that was a hindrance to me in and of itself because to have to sign in every time for whatever reason, I find that oh, you extra had to step. Sign in every yes. time it didn't yeah. just keep you in. No, I had to sign in every time, and I found okay. that extra step just incredibly cumbersome, and it was just too much for me to bother with. Mm-hmm. And I would go to all that effort to sign in, that Herculean effort, and then it was just like. Well, there's nothing really new on here. I would scroll for three minutes and I'd be like, well, this is down already to the stuff that I saw the last time I logged it. And I just thought, why? Why? Mm -hmm. And when you're in the middle of a book that you're really interested in, specifically like Radio Girls, which is what I was reading Mm -hmm. when I decided to stop doing that. I was just like, well, I could spend this 15 minutes mindlessly looking over these ads and these posts that I've already seen. Or I could get 10 more pages, you know, or whatever it was. And so that made it not all that hard to turn away from it. Mm -hmm. 
And so yeah. now it's I'm trying not to replace Facebook with endlessly scrolling through Pinterest or yeah. so I might that might have to be the next one to go. I don't know. Instagram is not as bad for me because I don't follow as many people. It seems like you can't get sucked down a rabbit hole quite as easily as you can on that one. So that's not a big problem for me. Mm-hmm. But when I pick up my phone to turn to a book, I feel like is a little bit is more more where I want to be going than mindless social media. And it's getting easier. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think because I'm starting to see the benefits of it. Yeah. You know, I'm setting my phone down on the counter and I'm walking away from it and it's not surgically attached to my hand. And and no one's dying. Yeah. Nothing is happening in the world that I'm left out of mm-hmm. that I drastically care about, you know? So it's just kind of like, oh, you know what? The world the world does go on if I don't have my phone in my hand every minute of every day. And then when I do pick it up because I have 15 minutes to sit and read, it's it's more meaningful, I guess, yeah. to sit there and open the book and... And the reading reading. is a recharge, whereas when I walk away from a quick check of Facebook, it's not a recharge moment No, for me, more often than not. It's almost like I had reached the point in the addiction where, like, the hit was not satisfying. Okay, I need to say a disclaimer, I've never been addicted to anything in my life. Um, (laughs) So I don't know firsthand how that feels. But you know what I mean? It's like... Yes, I do. At first, you, you get that thrill. You go on Facebook, you see people's pictures, you like, you comment, you read an article. And then after a while, it's just like this. It just feels like you're... Scroll. You scroll, scroll. Scroll. Like you're just walking through jello. Like there's nothing... Like you said, there's nothing recharging. There's nothing mentally stimulating about it at all. Whereas if I put the phone down after 15 minutes of reading, my mind is energized. I... Yeah. Like almost sometimes I'm more motivated too. It just puts me in a different mood. Mm-hmm. So I like where my reading life is going right now. Okay. Um, and I, that has led me to make more of an effort to read in the evenings as opposed to mindless social media scrolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that I've gotten into Goodreads. And like we were talking, I'm thinking about starting a book club with some friends of mine. And, yes. Um, so I just, I like, I like where it's going. It shows promise. And <laughs> as we were talking before we started recording... Um, in previous episodes, I've talked about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. And Brenda, tell the listeners which tendency you think you are. I am the obliger, hands down. I will do everything that everybody else needs before I do a thing for myself. And rest assured, I'm the biggest martyr in the world about it, too. <laughs> yeah, so the obliger struggles to meet inner expectations, yes. the expectations you put upon yourself. But you will very, very, very easily meet all of the world's outer expectations Mm -hmm. for you. So I think a book club is a fantastic idea for Accountability for me. Yeah, because you have, depending on how often you decide Mm -hmm. to meet, this regular on the calendar time when Mm -hmm. you know you're going to be discussing a book with friends. And it's an excuse to get together. Yeah. And a lot of the times, since I get so many recommendations from my friends, a lot of times we're reading the same books back to back or around the same time. So we're talking about them anyway. So I thought, well, why don't we just kind of formalize this a little yeah, bit? I think that's awesome. So it's still in the baby stages. What are the kinds of books that you want to read more of? Um, we talked a little bit about more parenting. I would like to read more biography. I think there are a lot of amazing people out there that I just haven't heard about yet or haven't read about yet. So I'd like to read more biography. Biography or memoir? or Both, both. both. Okay. Yeah, just sort of stories of people's lives. I just okay. think, I don't know, the way we live is fascinating, even if it might seem mundane to us. Mm-hmm. 
Any so, other kinds of books that you want to add? I would say spiritual reading as well. That has been an area that has kind of lagged. And I think because frequently that does take a lot of mental energy. You know, thinking about spirituality in general can be kind of a heavy thing. And so at the end of the day, when your brain is fried, sometimes you just can't tackle that. And I think I have shied away from that, yeah. partly for that reason. Um, but the book, oh shoot, what is it called now? Is it Small Steps for Catholic Moms? Yeah. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Is that that one? By Daniel yes. Bean and yeah. Elizabeth yes. That one has kind of been a game changer for me as well, because I keep it um, next to my planner, which is one of the things I check pretty frequently in the morning, like, okay, what's going on today? What, where do we need to be? What phone calls do I need to make? Mm-hmm. So I keep it next to my planner, and I have a little bookmark in for each day, and I try to read the entry of the day in the morning, so that I've got that in my mind for the whole day, and it's got the quote, and then the prayer, and then the action. So if I can read that at the beginning, then I can focus my day on whatever the action is or whatever the theme is. So that's been helpful as well. And they're very, 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 very simple, which I really like. Well, I think that's important to recognize that Mm -hmm. at this point. Because someone who wants to have the spiritual reading, you're not going to pick up the summa and think that you're able to tackle that when you're in a chapter of life where you have a kiddo who's not sleeping through the night and other ones who are waking up really early. You're exhausted, and then at the end of the day, that's the last thing yes. that you want to pick up. But you still want that part of your reading life yeah. to happen, yes. and you want to be enriched by that kind of yes. writing. But it has to be the right kind yes. for you to be motivated yeah. to come back to it. Yeah, and I think, too, like I have to be able to relate to it. Yeah. So something that comes from the perspective of or is geared toward women and mothers and mothers of small children, I think is very... Good for me. I'd like to kind of branch out into that a little more. Okay. Are you ready to hear my recommendations? Yes. Do you have any other random titles or things you want to throw out there? To I don't help think guide so. Me? Okay. So here we go. I have quite a few here okay. and I'm anxious to hear if you've read okay. any of them. So the first one, because you like All the Light We Cannot See yes. so much by Anthony Doerr. Yes. Have you read his other book, one of his other books, Four Seasons in Rome. I think you talked about that on a previous podcast. Is that where he was writing the book, All the Light We Cannot See? Yes. Okay. I think I should read that one then. This is when he and his wife and his six-month-old twin boys... Oh my goodness. ...crossed the Atlantic... I'm already stressed out. (laughs) ...and lived in Rome for a year because he had gotten this writing fellowship... Wow. ...to write All the Light We Cannot See. And he was there. The subtitle for this book, I have to tell you, it's called... On Twins, Insomnia, and the Biggest Funeral in the History of the World. Oh my goodness. So he was there when Pope John Paul II oh died. Oh my gosh, wow. And I love this book for you because you love All the Light We Cannot I See. I did. And so you get to see what he was living as mm-hmm. he wrote it. But it also gives these beautiful insights in a very accessible way, in a beautiful way because you like his mm-hmm. literary I do style. love his writing, yeah. The beauty of... Faith, Catholicism, and parenting, because he shares little anecdotes mm-hmm. about his life with these little beautiful twin twins. Twins, my goodness. So the insomnia might be something that you can relate <laughs> I to. I can, yes. So I love that one for you. Um, the next one, inspired by you saying you wanted to have more spiritual reading, yes. is My Sister's the Saints. Oh, I have read that one. <gasps> Phenomenal. That was a recommendation from my mother, and okay. I think I borrowed it from her too. Yes, I loved that book. Okay, good yes. recommendation from your mom. Next, because you like reading and writing so much, have you read Anne Lamott, any of her books? No. Okay, I have this title, so you can borrow it tonight. It's called Bird by Bird, and it's 
instructions on writing and life and... Oh, it sounds like right up my alley. (laughs) She, I think, is my spirit animal. (laughs) Anne Lamott is probably... She has a very dry sense of humor. Okay, okay. And she's very direct and she does not waste any words and she... I think is one of the most talented writers of the 20th century, Mm. period. That's a tall order. I know. I love her. Okay. Next is a fiction pick. Okay. And I chose this one based on your favorite, Homegoing. Okay. Okay. So Homegoing, it spans several generations. Mm -hmm. It's this epic saga. You've maybe read this, The Poisonwood Bible. No, but (gasps) I have heard of it. Okay. The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. Okay. This one I like for you because it's another sweeping saga. Okay. Four daughters of a missionary family that goes and lives in Africa. Oh. And everything that happens to them when they're living there. And you have the daughters and the mother taking turns narrating the story. Oh, okay. Does that ever get confusing? Or do they do a pretty good job keeping... King Solver does such a convincing job of getting you into the head of each of these narrators that it never was confusing for me. Okay, good. And that's saying a lot for me who struggles to get the characters <laughs> straight. And I have that one as well. Um, I love that one for you. Next is another spiritual reading book. This one is a little bit heavier. Okay. So you might have to read this one daytime. Okay. Mother Teresa, Come Be My Light, The Private Writings of the Saint of Calcutta. She's a good one. Have you She's read it? No, but I have not read that one, but I've read, okay, I think something by her. I can't remember what now, but she has been a favorite of mine. So you know the story maybe of how she struggled with the dark mm-hmm. night of the soul mm-hmm. and was not fi- feeling the feelings yes. of consolation in her faith. Yes. This book, Brian, I apologize, Brian, your last name is very difficult. I'm going to do my best. Kolodichuk. Oh. <laughs> I'm showing Brenda the That's, um, is that Polish maybe or Czech? (laughs) Polish or Czech, I don't know. But this book is all of her writings Mm -hmm. that uncover what her experience was. Oh, that would be so good. And it's, the reason I like it for you is because I think it gives all of us who are Christians, specifically Catholic, tremendous solace in the fact that such an awe-inspiring saint could go through that. Yes. And still go about her day-to-day yes. life. And the thought that if I'm in a situation where I feel like that, it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with me. Right. You know, the greatest people sometimes go through this and it's just kind of what you what you do with it mm-hmm. that matters. A beautiful image that I, to this day, can't get out of my mind from this book is her talking about how She came to the realization when she was going through the dark night of the soul that that was Jesus's opportunity to have her come as close Mm -hmm. as possible to the foot of the cross so that Mm -hmm. he could kiss her from the cross. Oh, wow. Yeah, I ugly cried at that part. (laughs) Okay, the last two are more fun. Um, Jennifer Fulweiler. Have you read her conversion story? Something Something other other than God. God. Yes. I bought it for my mom and read it before I gave it to her. Okay, so I love that book. Did you know she has this new book? Coming out May 1st. Oh, I knew that it. she was working on it. I don't think I knew that it was almost I out. I pre-ordered it. On the cover is a picture of a full chicken in a roasting pan that's scorched. Oh my and goodness. And it's called One Beautiful Dream. And it's coming out May 1st. And her whole okay. premise of this book, as I understand it, 
is that women, we buy, at, we buy into this idea that we can't have it all mm-hmm. and that you're not allowed to be a devoted mother and have any sort of creative mm-hmm. outlet or career. Mm-hmm. And yet, and that we have to change our idea of what it means to quote unquote have it right. all. Right. And so she shares her story, as I understand where she's going with this, of being a mother of six, mm-hmm. converting to Catholicism, and how she's developed this career that she's in love with, right. and she can do the both and, not yes. the yeah. either or, of being a devoted yes. wife and mother and having that part of her life. So I, She's one of the few that I do follow still on okay. Facebook, and I always, she is just so entertaining. Her little posts are, she can say more in just a few little sentences, and it, I'm just always cracking up at what she has to I love say. Her. Yeah, she's really great. So I'm guessing that one will also be phenomenal. I'm Obviously, sure, yeah. I haven't read it yet, but that's all I got. Okay. I, I know I threw a lot. No, you. that's good. As long as you have a list of all of them that you're going to send me later because I didn't write them all down. Yep, and I already have them linked. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so it's all on there. Um, so those are the recommendations I have for you for tonight. Well, it is likely I shall die surrounded <laughs> by a pile of things I was meaning to read. <laughs> So, do you want to share the well, recommendations you came up with? My recommendations for you were, we've already discussed these, but Seven by Jen Hatmaker. Yes. So great. Okay. And so, on so many levels. Eat Shoots and Leaves, again. Yes. You will enjoy that, especially if you liked, oh, I already forgot the name of the other one you just told me. The one by Anne Lamont, yes. Bird by Bird. Yes. If you like that, I'm, I think you'll probably love this too. I'm sure I will. And the other one, and I must confess to stalkerishly creeping your Goodreads shelf. Oh, I love The it. ones you read. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I didn't want to pick one that you had already read. Yeah. Um, John Paul to His Five Loves. Have you read that? No. I, I want to say it's by Jason Everett, but I'm not totally sure on Jason that. Jason Everett? Okay. His Five Loves? Yes. Also okay. a really, really good one. And I'm a gigantic JP2 fan. And so this was just a really, 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 really good book. Have you read George Weigel's biography? No, that's been it's one huge. that's... Yeah, it's... I feel it's like a doorstopper. it's heavy, heavy for me to get into. <laughs> yeah, but I would love to someday. Maybe that's an audiobook. That could be. Maybe that, that would be would better, be. I think, is an audiobook, yeah. I wonder who the narrator is. If he's the narrator, he would be really good. I've seen mm-hmm. him do interviews before, Weigel. Mm-hmm. Um... But I have not read His Five Loves. It's very good. It's shorter. Okay. Considerably shorter. But it has a, lo- a lot of biographical information in there, obviously. So, But it's not his full biography either. Okay. But there's enough background to make it all come together. Cool. But that's a really good one for spiritual reading. That. Was that your last recommendation? Yes, it was. That's all I had. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> don't say that's all. That's plenty. And I'm totally going to add them to my list. Okay. I love Jan- Jen Hatmaker. And Eat Shoots and Leaves has been on my list forever, and I've just never gotten around to it. So thanks for the reminder yes. on that one. Jen Hatmaker's book will make you want to throw out three-fourths of the stuff in your house. So it's a good thing to do for spring cleaning yeah. or for Lent. This is the perfect time for it because I am at that point where I want to get rid of all the things yes. that have accumulated over the winter months. We get Christmas and then my three kids are a March birthday and two May birthdays. So by the time summer rolls around, we are just suffocating and stuff (laughs) inundated with all the things yes and with having a little one he's growing through the different stages so the toys he played with three months ago are not the toys he's interested in now 
So just we just need a complete overhaul. <laughs> well, the consignment sales are all happening yes. right now, so this is good timing. Yes. Okay, well, I'll read them, and I'll get back okay, to you on okay. which ones I've read and which ones I enjoyed. Should we do some fun closing questions? Sure. And let you go? Okay, so my first closing question, I'll start with the serious one first. Okay. So go back in time okay. to Brenda becoming a new mom. Oh, poor dear. What <laughs> what advice would you give new mama Brenda? Oh, it's kind of a lot. Okay. The first thing I would say is no matter how much it feels like it, you are not alone. When I became a mom, we I had just moved. I got pregnant right after we moved to Grand Island and we knew no one. We went there for the job. We did not have family there. We did not have friends there. We knew nobody. And I, having quit my job in Omaha, did not have a job. My husband worked 40 plus hours a week and I knew no one. And then I immediately got pregnant. So I sat in the house all day, every day with my dogs and knew no one. So you have the emotional hormonal roller coaster of pregnancy and then to adjust to life with a newborn. And even though our transition from two to three was hard, nothing I maintain is harder than the transition from zero to one. Amen. <laughs> nothing, nothing is harder than going from zero to one. And our firstborn also had some difficulties. She had a birth injury and so she sustained um, some nerve damage from that. So dealing with a newborn when you don't know how to deal with a newborn and a baby with some special needs at that and being totally alone. I really felt like everyone in the world could hack it, but me. Mm. And I did not feel like I could go to anybody. I didn't feel like, I mean, you know, people, there were a few people from the local moms group who had brought us meals and that was really wonderful, but I don't know that I had anybody that I really felt like I could let in on the depth of how hard it was. Mm. So I would go back and tell myself, you're not alone. These people that you think have perfect lives and have never struggled, they know what you're going through. And it's okay to talk to people and it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to take help when people offer it. Yeah. I think because I had wanted to be a mom for so long, I think I had this idea that I needed to be able to do it. And I needed to be able to do it well and I needed to be able to do it all by myself. And happily. Yes. And I'm sure there was a tremendous degree of pride in there too. And the other thing I would say is there is no one that has it all together. Mm -hmm. And it has taken me, like I said, my daughter will be six next month, almost six years to learn this and to really understand it and to really believe it. There is no one in the world who has it all together. Mm -hmm. Not a single person, especially the people that you think have it all together. Yeah. There is something, you know, we don't know everything there is to know about every person. Right. Someone can look perfect on the outside and you don't know what they're going through on the inside. Mm -hmm. We have some crosses are visible, but a lot of them are invisible. So, you know, it just, if I could have adjusted to be real with people, I think a little bit mm -hmm. sooner, I think it would have been beneficial to me. And I would tell myself that however much it feels like it's going to last forever, this is a stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they will sleep someday. <laughs> you will sleep someday. It will be okay. And I think if I had just had had a me to go back in time and say that to me, it would have helped a lot. The psychology of the firstborn when you're going oh, through 
all of it the first time mm-hmm. and you don't know that there is an end to each of the difficult yes. moments and yes. stages. You get the blinders on and it is yeah. very hard to see that it ever will be anything but hard. Mm-hmm. And that to some degree, I felt that the first few months with each one. Sure. It's never going to be anything but hard ever again. <laughs> I did too. But the first one I think was really... Because you don't have the perspective to fall back on. Right. With my second, I could look look at it and say, well, you know what? By by this age, she was sleeping through the night. So, and you know, it's going to go so fast. I think I did not have a grasp on how fast it will go. Mm-hmm. Both in terms of, you know, these precious memories are sort of slipping away, these special days, and in terms of the difficulty. Yeah. It seems, you know, it's, it weighs you down so much now, but it will be a memory at some point. Mm-hmm. That's someday it will be only a memory and it will be in the past. And I think I just didn't have a good sense of that. With my second and third, I could look back on that and say, okay, you know, I had the perspective of understanding how quickly the time passes, knowing I would get through it, but I did not have that with the first. No one does. No. Yeah. It's just, it's straight up hard. <laughs> yeah. And very But worth it. Worth too. it. And beautiful. But yes. Isolating was a big thing that I struggled with, which is why... By the time my second was born, we had established more of a group of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a mom's group there and had established some friends there. We got to know people through my daughter's school. Once she finally got into school, then we started knowing other parents. That that made things easier when the second was born. And then my third was born after we moved here. And Mm -hmm. so I had already this community, the wonderful women at St. Joseph's. Um, And we have more family and more friends in Lincoln since we lived here. I lived here for six years during my college days. Uh, my brother and his wife and family live here. So we have, we just had a lot more in terms of the resources here. Yeah. So it was a lot less isolating. But I feel like that was offset by the fact that we were outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was a challenge. Any other advice you'd give to first time mama, Brenda? Um, be nice to yourself. And at any given moment, you are doing better than you think you are. Mm. And I, that is my advice to new moms now. You are always doing better than you think you are. No one will think you're doing a worse job than you are. Yeah. You're always your own worst critic. Yeah, I love that advice. Yes. I need that on repeat in my head. <laughs> yeah. And the, well, some of the best advice that I give out was not, did not, does not come from me. I can't take credit for it. It was from my best friend who had her first baby, uh, four months before I had my first baby. We've been best friends since junior high. And so she's a wonderful person. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Vicky. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, so we were kind of going through this new motherhood business at the same time. Um, her daughter is my goddaughter too. So I got to, yeah, she's, she's a really special kid, but she said to me, you are that child's mother, no matter what anyone else says to you, no matter what parenting books or social media tells you or articles you read or whatever. She said, you are that child's mother. You know your child. You know what's best for your child. And she said, don't be afraid to stick to that. And whether there are people who say, oh, won't you stay a little longer when the baby needs to nap? Mm. Or if the baby's overstimulated and more people want to hold the baby. She said, have the confidence to say, I'm sorry, this is what my child needs. Because your kid's well-being is more important than someone else's hurt feelings. 
Say that again. Your child's well-being is more important than someone else's hurt feelings. Oh, listeners, you cannot see this, but I'm lifting (laughs) up my praise and worship hands. That is so true. And that just gave me so much confidence and empowered me so much at a time when I felt like I knew nothing. And this was something that I had wanted for years. I had known for years that I wanted to be a mother had struggled for years to become a mother. And so to be a mother and suddenly feel like I had no idea what I was doing. I was 100% sure I was the worst at it of anyone who has ever attempted it. You sound normal. (laughs) For her to say, but I didn't realize that that was normal at the time. We all think we're the only one. Yes, yes. You're not the only one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're all like that. Yeah, we all have our issues. So for her to say that to me, it just gave me so much more confidence and I felt empowered and... With my daughter having special needs when she was first born, she did have to be held a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I did not feel comfortable with every, just anybody holding her. So there were times that I did say, you know what, I, I'd rather just hold her myself. And people do kind of look at you like, what? And I don't know where people get this sense of like everyone else is entitled to your baby. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. But, oh, and they start to take, take the baby out of the car seat before they've even said anything to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to say, well, actually, she needs to be held a certain way. I'd prefer to do it myself. Did I do that every time? No. Was I perfect at this? No. But because I'm kind of, I can be kind of non-confrontational. My husband, uh, if he happens to listen to this, will probably laugh at that. Um, I, I don't have a problem being confrontational with him. But with most people, <laughs> I mean, I like to be kind of a peacekeeper. I'm sort of a typical middle child in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't like for there to be conflict between yeah. people. Um, so I did not always do the best job of that. But that sort of helped me get past that to say, you know what, if this person feels slightly snubbed because I said they couldn't hold my child, well, it's better than to have her held incorrectly and aggravate that nerve damage, you know? So yeah. again, your child's well-being is more important than someone else's hurt feelings. Wow. Whether that's a nap schedule or dietary restrictions or whatever it is. Just your kid needs routine, you know, whatever it is. Don't feel, never apologize for doing right by your kid. I love that. That's so, awesome. That's I had beautiful. to pass that on, even though it isn't necessarily, it didn't come from me. But it is what I would go back and say to myself. Vicki, I'm your biggest fan. That's <laughs> She's great fantastic. Advice. She's a wonderful human being. Well, she sounds awesome. I could not do life without her. <laughs> we all need a friend like that. That's fantastic. Everyone needs a Vicky. I guess so. <laughs> so I have a fun closer okay. that I want us to end on. What is something that is helping you survive right now? What's something that's making your life easier? It can be something really big and awesome, or it can be something really small and simple like a mascara from the drugstore that you love. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I would say probably like girl time. So this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, I'm, I'm getting to know myself a little bit better, which sort of sounds weird. No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm going to put this out there because I'm 34. But I also, I think I've, I've become such a different person over the last eight or 10 years that it's kind of getting to know who I am now. So I think sort of understanding what I need and understanding that it's okay for me to meet those needs and that oh. I'm a better person if I meet those needs. And a better wife and a better yes. mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. So whether that's making myself go to bed early, kind of, you know, realizing too that the things I spend my time on are not always the things that are best for me. Yeah. So cutting away from the constant mindless social media and 
realizing that sort of getting out to do things, whether that, I mean, sometimes it's play dates. I try to do a lot of play dates. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert, so I need that time with other people. And my poor husband is an introvert who talks to people all day and then comes home to his extrovert wife who talks to her children all day. <laughs> it's, that's been kind of a bit of a dance uh, sort of to get that worked out. But to know, to know, to identify the needs and, and to meet them the right way. Mm-hmm. So to not meet my need for contact with Facebook. Yeah. To meet my need for contact with people with a play date or a coffee date or a podcast yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is. And just really over the last year or so, I've kind of am sort of absorbing and starting to believe this idea that it's okay to take care of myself and it's okay to let other people take care of me. Mm-hmm. It's taken three kids <laughs> for me to realize this. Um, it took me four, so <laughs> you got me beat. <laughs> well, our son, when he was born, was in the NICU. Very briefly. Very briefly. Um, I don't care how brief it was. Anytime stressful. someone has a baby stressful. in the NICU, that's, yeah. Um, non-life-threatening. He just had blood sugar issues. But our dear Still. friend, Jenny, who we have mentioned. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> Everybody needs a Jenny, too. Yes. Um, she offered to come. She had three, at the time, three small boys and was pregnant herself and offered to come to the hospital and sit with me and bring us food. I thought, I cannot ask her to do that. That is so much. I mean, I that would be overwhelming to me if I were in her shoes. And my husband said, you didn't ask her. She offered. I said, I know. I, I can't take her up on that. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. And said, <laughs> this but, is why we need marriage. <laughs> but no, but it was good that he did because it yeah. kind of knocked some sense into me, sort mm-hmm. of. And he said, let someone take care of you. And that was, he might as well have been speaking a foreign language. I went, yeah, what? And just the fact that he kind of zeroed in on me, eye contact, direct and and forceful sort of, let someone take care of you. That just, it took that, I guess, for me mm-hmm. to really understand that. Yeah. And so over the past year, I've been trying to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to let people take care of me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean if somebody does something nice for me that I owe them one. And right. now I need to think about all the ways in which I can make it up to them. Right. And I can't rest until I've brought them a meal or delivered them coffee or whatever it is. Right. It's just, it, it, especially with the really good close friendships, your tribe, it's going to be a give and take. And especially if you're friends for a long time, it's just, there's going to be that ebb and flow And you don't owe somebody something. You know, you're always going to be there to pick each other up when the other one's down. Right. So that has been... (laughs) That was kind of... You said a a light, fun one, but I made it deep. (laughs) No. I said you could go whichever direction you wanted. I wanted to give the option. Just sort of getting to know myself and being being okay with myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of... Over the last year, I've sort of been mentally unpacking a lot of stuff and it's... It's just all kind of churning over in my head now, but mm-hmm. yeah, know. no, I think that's awesome. And I think what you were just talking about has totally been the journey that I've been going mm-hmm. through ever since Dorothy was born and then doing the year of yes. me and trying to, which I'm trying to do here <laughs> and just getting to a place where you can take your husband's advice of letting mm-hmm. someone take care of you and Taking the time to take care of you. Yes. Taking care of yourself. Yes. And realizing what your needs are and what you said about meeting those needs well. Yes. Is so huge. Yes. Instead of treating, like, if we can compare the different things to a healthy diet, like, Facebook would be carbs. Right. Or (laughs) the big slice of chocolate cake. 
And then it having... might feel good for a while, but it might give you a stomachache afterwards. Yes. <laughs> You're gonna crash. Yes. Crash and burn. You and can't subsist only on chocolate cake, however yeah. much my children will be sad to hear that. Yeah. No. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Brenda, I just took a peek at the clock. I want to let you go so okay. that us old ladies can get to bed <laughs> and take care of ourselves. And I did bring um, something to close with, if yeah, you what? don't mind. Please. Um, well, I was thinking of this and why I love reading and what it is about reading that draws me in. And I saw this. Oh, I'm a, so glad you brought that up. Oh. That's a question I wanted to get to. So, Oh, well, anyway, this kind of wraps up everything, sort of, that we've been talking about. But I, a number of years ago, I saw this. It's a super weird movie, but I actually really liked it. It's called The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. It's actually the last movie Heath Ledger was in, and he was filming it when he died. So they had to do some sort of creative things with his character. But anyway, there's a scene, and I don't remember a whole lot about the movie, but I remember this scene very much because it's stuck with me. There's a scene where this character goes into this place, and it's sort of like a giant cave place. And there are all these men sitting on these rugs kind of um and it sort of conjures up like tibetan monks or something like that like that sort of image and this guy is talking to one of them and he says you know what what are you guys doing here because it seems like these men are all talking to themselves and he says and i wrote i went and found it online and wrote it down so i could do it justice and the man says we tell the eternal story the story that sustains the universe the story without which there is nothing and I thought, and I think of this in terms of like story with a capital S mm. and it's just that, I don't know, that just resonated with me. I think the reason I love to read so much is stories are what connect us. We are all made up of stories. We are all influenced by stories. We all share stories, whether that's a book or a painting or a play or whatever it is, everything, if you think about it, tells a story and that is sort of what kind of keeps the world moving. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why I've always been interested. And as a little kid, I would, when we were driving to school or whatever, or going on a trip, I would see all the other cars on the highway. And I would think every single one of those cars has a person in it who has their very own story. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that just fascinated me. It was kind of a weird kid. <laughs> I don't think so But no, all. I just think that, I mean, the story is really what keeps the world going. Mm-hmm. You know, we read stories to our kids, but we hear stories from our grandparents or we tell stories. I mean, you and I have shared several stories just in the mm-hmm. span of sitting here. So yeah. that, that really is sort of the fiber of what connects everyone. Oh, my geek heart is just <laughs> soaring right now. I love that. And if you think about it, that's really a very deeply Christian idea. Yes. And because... I cannot remember if there's any sort of under other Christian undertones in the film. Like I said, it's really weird, but I really liked it. I'll have to check it out. It's maybe very strange. For our next stay-at-home date night or something. If you hate it, don't blame me. Because okay, I don't I really remember anything else. But I did remember that that stuck with me. This idea that we, we have to keep sharing our stories and telling our stories and reading our stories. Because mm-hmm. that's what makes us who we are. And that's what sort of makes everything meaningful. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And every time, since you're a re-reader, that's a tough (laughs) word to say, you will appreciate this, that every time you come back to a story, Mm -hmm. you are a different person. Yes, yes. And so the lens through which you read the story Mm -hmm. is totally different. And the same thing with our relationship with sacred scripture, that God is the eternal word with a capital W. The greatest story ever told. Yes. Yes. And so, and again, you're a different person every time Mm -hmm. you enter into sacred scripture. So that's a beautiful, faith-filled, very Christological place to end the podcast. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. We're going to have to do another episode, talk about something 
I don't know. We'll figure out yeah. something, but this was awesome. Yeah, Thanks for coming thank on you. The show, I had a Brenda. good time. Me too. Well, cheers to us. You can't see us, listeners, but we have some plastic wine cups <laughs> here. Cheers to Brenda. Plink. Cheers to me dating Nate <laughs> in college and you hanging out with Philip in the honors dorms so that tonight could happen. I remember that... him being very goofy. <laughs> you remember Philip being yes. really goofy? We're going to have to talk more about okay. that off okay. the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Brenda. Thank have a good Thank you. Wasn't Brenda awesome? I really enjoyed hearing her advice at the end. I hope if nothing else, you heard that last part. And isn't God hilarious? I think it's just wonderful that I have become friends with my college boyfriend's wife and that they are in our parish. Brenda, you rock and you will come back on the podcast again another time soon. That was awesome. I want to hear what you think about my book recommendations for Brenda. Maybe you have another title to add to my list. Go ahead and send those to me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. Also, I wish I could pretend that I planned this, but I did not. Earlier in today's episode, I mentioned Jennifer Fulweiler's new book, One Beautiful Dream. Well, today is its official release, May 1st. One Beautiful Dream is coming out. So if you haven't ordered yourself a copy, do yourself a favor and order yours. Mine is on the way from Amazon. Jen, I so admire your work and I've been your number one fan forever. I've followed your blog for years and years and I so enjoy your radio show and what you're doing. And I hope that this podcast helps to convince you. Nebraskans, we need to get Jen to add Nebraska to her book tour for One Beautiful Dream. Jen, we are basically the Catholic Mecca of the Midwest here in Lincoln, Nebraska. If you visit, the people will come with their 10 and 15 passenger vans. We will show up in big numbers to support you, and we just cannot wait to read your new book. So, Jennifer Fulweiler, I I have no doubt (laughs) that you listen to this podcast. You must add Lincoln, Nebraska to your book tour. The Catholics will come, and we will bring all of our friends. That was my dog. Also, last thing, it's May Day. Do you celebrate May Day where you live in Nebraska? We celebrate May Day by ringing our neighbor's doorbells and then leave a little surprise May Day basket on their doorstep and run away and hope that they don't catch you. Um, For our family, it's really simple. We usually just get a plastic cup and fill it up with candy or popcorn and then something like a holy card or a bookmark with a saint's quote on it. And to me, it is just the epitome of St. Therese's quote that we should do small things with great love for one another. And it's one of my favorite traditions. And I hope if you don't already celebrate May Day that you'll maybe consider bringing it back or celebrating it for the first time this year. Keep it simple. Don't overdo it. It is just a fun, simple, fun way to reach out and hopefully reconnect with your neighbors, especially if you're like me and you're seeing them for the first time after a really long winter. So happy May Day, everybody. Keep sharing the show with your friends. Keep rating and reviewing on iTunes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who have done that. We have a couple of new reviews since last week. Also, please keep sending your wonderful feedback. I am blown away by the number of emails that I got from last week's episode about Jane's First Holy Communion. And like I said, I'll share that next time. But as always, you can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again 
and share what you heard while you were folded.